I invited my first woman on and I got stood up. I'm like, what the hell? It reminds me of my old high school days. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. Well, at least you're out there having fun now that the pandemic's over. Yeah. No, it was, it was a great night. Yeah. So. <laughs> Welcome to the Highly Leveraged Podcast, interviewing landlords and industry professionals to help you start and continue to scale your rental income portfolio. Here's your host, Dave Rosa. What's up? Got Dominique Baker with me today from the D.C. area investing in Baltimore. Within nine months of her first interest in real estate investing, she's already closing on a third property. Here she is to tell you about it. Uh, what made you What made you get into this? Uh, do you have family that invests in real estate? So, um, yes and no. So, my I was having a conversation with my brother um, back in October of 2020, and we were just kind of talking about me and my brother in this competition to get out the rat race, right? So like, we're talking about passive money and like like what he's investing in, what I'm investing in. So my brother is, is heavy into crypto. Like that's just his thing. Um, so I do crypto, I do stocks, I do 401k, you know, all the, the basic stuff. Um, but it just wasn't kind of resonating with me. It wasn't really lighting a fire. Um, so anyway, just in conversation we're having, um, he mentioned that he has a group of friends and I know his friends and every time I see them, it seems like they don't work. Right. So like, what do your friends do? Because every time I see them, like y'all are just like hanging out mm-hmm. and like entrepreneurs. Right. So he mentions he's going down the list of like well, all, what all his friends do. And he mentioned that his one of his friends does real estate. And it was like, like literally just that one sentence. He's like, Oh, this guy, he does real estate. This guy does blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Oh, real estate? Really? Okay. So like, and that was it. And then like he moved on to something else. So that night I just started to do some research on real estate investing. I was up literally all night, didn't sleep for like two days, just doing all this research and just decided that that was something I wanted to pursue. And then from there, I closed my first deal in December, early December. So this all happened quick too, because when you're talking about staying up all night, this was only what, eight, nine months ago? Yeah. Yeah. So from the moment I decided to to get into real estate to the moment I closed, I think it took me about two and a half weeks to find a house. Um, And then I paid cash for it. So it was a a super quick close, about two and a half weeks to close because they had to do title. Um, but yeah, it was, it was super quick. All right. So tell me about that property. I know you put a little bit of money into it. Yeah, I put a little bit of money into it. So I was a wholesale deal. Um, I found it through a random wholesaler online. Um, so I signed up for a bunch of uh, email notifications. I signed up, um, on Facebook. There were multiple Facebook pages for the area that I'm in. And so I just added my email address to like a ton of them. And one of the nights that I was up, Again, no sleep. It was like 2 a.m. Um, I just happened to check my email and I saw the, a blast come out from one of the wholesalers uh, for this property. And it was a great property. It was like basically turnkey, very minor cosmetic updates that were needed um, for 50. It was listed for 53. Um, so I immediately sent the guy an email. Um, right after that, after at 2 a.m., it was like, hey, I want to see this property. You know, can you give it to me? And I think he emailed me back at maybe 7 a.m. 
Um, so this was like in the middle of the week. So I had to work. Um, I had a busy day at work that day. So I end up doing what I needed to do, logging off at around 2, 2.30 um, and just flying down to Baltimore, which in Baltimore is probably about an hour and 10 minutes from me. So I just went down there, saw the house, um, did a quick walkthrough. It was of all the houses that I looked at, I must have looked at at least 40 houses. No, I think I might have looked at at least 25 houses at this point. Um, this was the best one by far. So uh, immediately left there, uh, text the guy, called the guy and was like, hey, I'm, I want it. Like, let's just move. Um, and I didn't even try to haggle him on the price on it because it was such a good deal. Um, and it comes to find out the next morning, he tells me that right when I walked in, you could, I could tell that someone had just been there, right? So um, he tells me that the guy who was literally there probably five minutes before me looked at the house, wanted the house, but then he haggled him on the price. I think he offered, he wanted to pay 48 for it. And the wholesaler was like, no, it's 53. I'm not making any money off of this. I think it was like a $5,000 spread on it. Um, he was like, that's the price is firm. It's 53. And then I called the guy and was like, I'll take it for 53. Apparently the guy who saw it before me calls back two minutes after me and tells him, okay, I'll give you 53 for it. And the guy was like, nope, someone just literally just called me and told me they would take it at full price. So it's gone. So it, it, it just happened that quick. So I could have easily missed out on it, um, very easily missed out on it, but it was a great deal. Now, was this a rental before or was this uh, uh, just someone living in it or was it vacant at the point? Yeah, it was vacant at the time, but it had previously been rented. Um, the person who had been there before, it's like they had taken care of the property, um, but it was it didn't need carpet. The whole seller was like, oh, you know, you could probably just clean it. And I got there and I was like, nah, you probably should just replace this. Um, so I had to replace the carpet, but there was only carpet on the top level um, and it needed paint. Um, but that was basically it. Honestly, there were like little minor things like one of the radiators needed to be secured to the wall. The banister going into the basement needed to be a little bit secure. Um, but it was very, very minor stuff. Now, how much of that work are you doing yourself? Are you there painting or are you paying everyone to do everything for no. you? No. Um, I actually paid. And that's funny. So uh, getting quotes from contractors to like to do the work. So I, and I bought the house dead of winter. It was first week of December. So, you know, trying to get tenants and people in at that time in Maryland, it's like we have hella cold winters. It was kind of difficult, right? So no one wants to be out in the cold. So I was getting quotes. I was running up to Baltimore, going up to the house, um, meeting with contractors to, you know, get quotes on stuff I needed to do. And I literally had contractors tell me for the little bit of work that I needed to do, $20,000. I got a quote for $20,000. I got a quote for $16,000. And I got a quote for $11,000. I ended up getting the work done for $5,000. Yeah, I know. At least that, even here up in Southern New Hampshire, everyone's so busy. They just give you this crazy number. And if you take it, you take it. If not, they're busy enough. They don't care. Yeah. And that's exactly, and like and meeting these people, I'm like, you know, this is an investment property. I'm an investor. Like, I'm not talking like bells and whistles for this. Like, this is not something like, this is not a flip. This is just, let's just get it rent ready. Yeah, $20,000. So I ended up finding, I went through so many people. And I think I ended up going through or at least meeting with six different people before I found someone who was just like, 
it was basically got a handyman, right? So, because there was nothing in the house that needed like a uh, licensed contracted work to do. Yeah, so he got all the work done, paid for the materials. So all in price uh, for the house, I ended up paying about five, maybe 6000 It wasn't too bad. So, and then with closing and everything, all in cost of the house was sixty two. Wow, that's so cheap. And what are you renting that out for now? So it rents it for thirteen seventy five. Wow. That's more yeah, than two percent. That's great. Yeah. Are there any more in that block or did you just get lucky with that one? Yes and no. And I'm really upset. Well, so right after I bought this one, I ended up seeing um from the same wholesaler, they had two duplexes, maybe a block or two from there. I wasn't really on the multifamily yet. I was just still kind of like looking at single families and I wish I had jumped on it. They had two duplexes for 150 and they were both renting for, I believe, 650. I think each unit was rented for 650. I think that one unit was vacant and they all had like long term tenants. And I so wish that I had jumped on that before. But I missed it. But there were there were other houses that on that block that are, that are still going. Um, that block is really hot now, and a lot of the properties, even the ones that are similar to to my unit, are now wholesale deals going for like seventy, eighty. So that first one you paid cash for is that is that your plan, or did you go back and take out a loan on that so you can flip and grab another one? Yeah. So my original plan, um, as I was. Talking through back in my research days of back in October, November, um, I did meet with my dad. So my dad is um, heavy, heavy, heavy into stocks. So I grew up with stocks and like that's his wheelhouse, like that's his thing. So I ran my plan through my dad and let him know like this is what I'm trying to do. Like this is kind of my plan and my goals and I'm going to work it this way. I'm going to pay cash for everything. And come to find out my dad was like, oh yeah, I did real estate investing when you were like young. He's like, I think he had four houses or something. Um, he just was not a fan of being a landlord. So it wasn't his thing. I think he said he was a, a real estate investor for like two years and then he didn't like evicting people. So he so he was like, that wasn't his thing. So I was like, okay. And he told me, he was like, yeah, I would just say you probably should use other people's money. And I'm like, no, I'm going to pay cash. I don't want a loan. I just want to own these outright. And it's like, no, he was like, oh, you should probably do some research. He was like, yeah, you probably go faster if you use other people's money. So for the first, I would say maybe two months, I was very hell bent on just paying cash for everything. That was the plan. Um, but as I determined, as I did a little bit more research, wanted to escalate the path for me to just be financially free. I was like, yeah, I need to, I need to leverage. So I did. My plan originally was to put a HELOC on that property because I found a bank who would do it with me holding the house in my, the house is held in my LLC. And a lot of banks were not providing HELOCs on LLC investment properties. But I found a small bank here in Maryland uh, that would do it. And I went through the whole process. Only thing that stopped me was that right at the end, the only thing that they needed was the deed to be recorded. And Baltimore City is so slow in recording deeds. And this is before COVID. It takes them about six plus months to, to record a deed. So my deed, I had closed three months prior. So this, I'm going through this process and I started in December. Um, my deed was not recorded until March. In that time, I went ahead and just 
did a refi because I found a lender who would do a refi, a cash out refi without the deed being recorded. They was like, you just have to go through um, the title agency that you closed with and get the title insurance, which I already had anyway. Um, and then they would just close it there and just without the deed being recorded yet. So I did it that route. So I did the cash out refi and I got uh, 54 back cash. So I left a little bit of money in the house, a couple thousand, and it still rents it well. And the cash flow on it is amazing. And now tell me about your second house. You turned around with that 53000 and bought that? Yeah. So the second house, I actually already had money, um, again, just ready to deploy to purchase. And um, this second house was, again, another wholesale deal. And... Found it through another wholesaler, through an email blast. It was actually posted in one of the Facebook groups that I check constantly. Um, and I reached out to the guy. It was 4105. This one had a tenant in place, uh, a voucher tenant in place. Their rent was for 1417 So, again, a great deal. Um, so I reached out to the wholesaler, said, okay, well, I can do 105. Um, but the only issue with that was, well, not an issue, but the only caveat to that was the wholesaler wanted either uh, cash or hard money because they wanted to close like in two weeks. So I found the, the lending company that was going to do my cash out refinance also offers hard money. So I reached out to them, talked to the partner and said, hey, this is a really great deal, but they want hard money. Like, I'm not trying to stay in hard money very long. Like, how soon can we do this hard money? And how soon can I refinance out to get my money back off this? Um, so they said, yeah, we can give the hard money. This is a great deal. Um, and then typically their their process is three months. So it just has to be seasoned for three months with a tenant. And then I can just do the cash out refinance. So I'm going into my third month now. I will be doing a cash out refinance on this one uh, probably in August. And then you're in under contract for a duplex as well, you said, correct? Yes. Um, under contract for a duplex, scheduled to go to closing. And it's the, the appraisal report is coming back on the 2nd. Um, and I'm supposed to be closing either on the 2nd or around the 5th or the 6th. Um, I know the holiday is going to be observed on the Monday for the 4th of July, so likely the 6th. But but yeah, so that's the duplex um, also in Baltimore, another part of Baltimore, um, investing all over the city. And this one has a tenant in place already. Um, top unit is vacant. It was occupied before. Um, long-term tenant downstairs and cash flow, again, it's just, I feel like Baltimore is such a great area to get your return on investments just because properties, even if you get them off the MLS, the numbers just work. They just work. Very excited for this one. Um, I will say that in going through Navy Federal for uh, uh, this purchase was not the smoothest purchase. Um, there was just a lot of red tape. There's a lot of like relaying of information through third parties to another third party to another third party. Um, just delayed the process. I was supposed to have closed on this property um, May 28th. And now they're saying like uh, July. Um, the process has been very long. I've been very tempted to just kind of walk from it at this point, just because as an investor, you know, time is money, right? So I'm literally letting deals pass me by. But once I get this one, it'll be fine. And the goal right after this one is to hop into another one. Um, about August. 
Wow. Yeah. So you're ramping up quick. So between these three properties, how close are they? Are any of them within walking distance or would it be a decent drive? Baltimore is a pretty big city. Um, So there are different pockets of it. So one of the houses is in southeast Baltimore. Another one is in eastern Baltimore. Another house is in west Baltimore. So they're not... It's quite a distance from one another. So if I were to ever just to go to the city to pop in on, you know, my tenants or check on the house, um, I would definitely have to drive to, to each house. All right. So uh, what are you doing for management? Are you managing yourself? Are you using a property manager? Yeah. So the, so the second house I purchased um, because I had a voucher tenant in place. Um, I went ahead and just trying to self-manage that one. It was super quick on that one. Um, I did have one service call so far. She called me and told me that there was an issue with the toilet. It needs to be replaced. And I got it done super quick. Called a guy, took care of it. I haven't heard from her since. So um, she seems to be a really, really good low maintenance tenant. I really appreciate that. Um, So it seems like doable, right? So I I will likely keep that one um, as self-managed. As for the duplex, I will likely have that one managed so I don't know. I haven't decided on the on the duplex. But for the first property, I definitely hired a, a property manager. Um, I learned very quickly that I do not like the whole screening of a tenant process. And I am very much a proponent of farming and, and paying someone to do things that I know that I'm not good at and nor do I want to do. So um, I did pay a property management team to um, vet the properties, show the property, find a tenant, and and manage it. So for that one, there is a property manager in place. Um, I think moving forward, what I'll try to do, at least for the duplex, is I will do probably a mixture of self-management and a mixture of using a property manager. Um I will likely I, I'm not a fan of like the vetting process. Like I'm just not. Like I'd rather just it's just not my wheelhouse. We uh, we just went through that process, and I don't blame you one bit. I mean, we had about 75 people reach out. We sent them a questionnaire first just to get a little information about them. That cut off probably about 50 of them. So now we're down to like 25. Then out of the ones that sent the questionnaire, some of them couldn't even come close to affording it. And by the time we got down to it, we only had one person out of 75. Yeah. And it, it was stressful and it was a nightmare. I'm talking with my wife. I'm posting on Facebook. She's posting on Craigslist and we're getting emailed. We're getting texts. We're getting, it was just, it's not worth it. It really isn't. Yeah, I agree 100%. Like I, I did it for maybe two weeks. Had, you know, appointments set up, talked to people, you know, the amount of people who didn't show up. It's cold outside. Like I'm, and again, it's dead of winter. So like I'm running an hour up the road to like meet people who, you know, don't show up or people who, like you said, who can't afford it. Um, it's just, it was just too much. So I think for, I will keep the first property as a property management. They're already, they already have it. So it's going well. Um, the second one, I can just manage myself. And then for the third one, I'm going to do a mix. I'll probably hire a property management team to place a tenant. And then I will probably manage it from there to kind of split the difference um, and see how that goes. And then, you know, if I find that I, I don't like to manage the, the duplex or anything else, I'll, I'll just hire the property management team to just take it over. But so we'll see. Everything is kind of like a trial and error type, as you know. I'm sure yeah, you know. that's the way to go. I mean, <laughs> you got to get out there and mess some things up so that you can fix them, you know. 
So how do you collect the money on that one that you're managing? Is it Venmo, something like that, or she sent a check? So no, so that's one is a voucher program. And so they they send checks. And they pay 100%? The program pays 100%. Oh, okay. So you're locked in. You're good to go. Yeah, everything, um, including water. Wow, that's really good. I thought that was interesting, too. So um, the guy who sold me the house uh, for that second property uh, was kind of shady. Like, again, everything is like trial and error. And, you know, I'm super new to this. So, like, it's like these little lessons that you learn and these little experiences that you have, right? So come to find out the guy wasn't up front. He um did he failed to disclose that the tenant who had been there a long term, long term tenant, um, was gonna be leaving. So I purchased the property in the end of April and apparently the tenant gave notice to the previous seller that uh they were leaving at the end of May. He didn't disclose that. Like, and I'm assuming that he thought that if he had told me that, I wouldn't have purchased the property. But the property is a great property and a great neighborhood. So even if the tenant leaves, I'm not going to have a problem re-renting the house. So I would have bought the house anyway. But I thought that was very funny that, like, just kind of shadiness that's going on with, you know, selling, especially maybe in the wholesale world, without disclosing information, I found that to be very interesting. Um, but yeah, the tenant is, is going to be leaving and I'm already working with the uh, voucher program uh, that currently has that house to just rehouse for when I was to replace it. I mean, it'll probably be about a two week turnover. I'm going to have to there. I went to the house, did an inspection, met the tenant, um, noted some things that needed to be repaired, small things. You know, I'm probably going to repaint and change the carpet. But yeah put LVP down and it'd be good to go. So, uh, so what do you do for work? You said you work for the government, right? I am. I am a consultant. Yeah. Um, I have been, a so I work probably what, 40 minutes outside of DC, 30, 30 miles outside of DC. So I'm a consultant for the government. I've been a consultant for ooh, 15 years, 15 years, been a contractor. Um, so it, you know, Typical in this area, everyone here works for the government, basically. Either you work for the government or you're in the military. It's kind of the thing around here. Um, but it's, it's well. It's, it's going well. I work in the Agile environment. I'm a pro- project manager, um, portfolio manager, and I work within the Agile methodology. So we do IT development, um, and instead of just, we just follow a particular framework, which is this consistent and continuous development and testing uh, CICD to get it out the door. So, but yeah, I, I love my job. Um, I think even once I reach financial freedom, it's just, I will continue to work. Uh, it's just, I love my team. I love the area I work in. Um, and the hours are great. So, all right. So what is your plan moving forward? You said that you would keep the job even when you get to financial freedom. So you plan on buying to your die or do you plan on buying to a certain amount? Um, yeah, so I have a, a certain number in mind, um, passive income I just want to hit. But like I said, even if I hit that, um, I will probably likely still just consult just because one, is it's a very lucrative career. Two, I enjoy what I do. And three, I can, I can tailor it and, and stream it to, you know, I do 40 hours a week. I can do, you know, consult for 20 hours here and there. Um, I definitely plan on traveling um, once I hit 
the number I'm trying to hit um, and just working, you know, from all around the world just to remotely. So that is the ultimate plan. Um, and I'll probably do that until, you know, I'm bored and then I'll probably move on to something else. All right. Well, thanks for coming on with me today. Appreciate it. So Dominique got the real estate bug just nine months ago and she's already hit four doors. Uh, she mentioned that she's buying these properties from wholesalers. That's when another individual will find a property that's usually off market or needs some work done to it. They put it under contract and then look for an investor to take over the contract and charge a fee in the meantime. Kind of like it's like a finder's fee. So Dominique's first house, she had $62,000 cash all in. And uh, brilliantly, she ended up pulling that money out, highly leveraged, $54,000 on that cashback refi. So she's only 8000 in of her own money right now. And with those great rental numbers she had, that will be paid off in no time, certainly in under a year. And she's already doing this on her second property right now and has a third one under contract. Uh, we'll definitely have to catch up with her down the road. She might have 10 of them by next year. Next Monday, I got Matt Lyons out of Chicago. He's bought and sold a lot of businesses in real estate. He now has 14 buildings with 62 doors, and he'll be here to tell us all about it next week. Subscribe on Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify. Get out there and get after it. Light up. Thank you for listening to the Highly Leveraged Podcast. Leave a review and subscribe to get new shows automatically downloaded every Monday morning. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Highly Leveraged Pod. And check out our website at HighlyLeveragedPod.com for more info. Where are you planning on traveling? Where do you usually go? Um, So I, I go all, everywhere. Love it. Um, I am planning to go to Greece. I just decided that yesterday. So I will be going to Greece in <laughs> August. Last night while you were out partying? <laughs> <laughs> right before the party. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I decided that yesterday. So I'm going to be doing that in August. Um, I have a daughter. She is 14. So I try to take her. We, we travel at least twice a year. Um every year so we do it in the summer trip and she wants to go to new orleans we were trying to decide between new orleans and seattle she's really big into like art and food so i was like well it's gonna be hot in new orleans but i feel like the music and the art might be just a little better so let's just go there um so that's the plan um but yeah everywhere like i love africa i've been to africa but to south africa Love it, love it, love it. Want to do so much more of that continent. Um, yeah, and just literally everywhere. If there's a beach, like, I want to be there. I want an over-the-water bungalow now. Now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my dream. That's what I'm shooting for. I'm really? like, I don't care where it is. As long as the water's clear and there's a bungalow that I'm over, I mean, that's, that's all I want. That's all that matters. You don't have to deal with anybody else. You just have your own little place right there. You even have your own little pool. You can jump right into the ocean. I mean, I need a vacation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been anywhere in a year and a half, if you can't tell. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited. Like, uh, you know, I got vaccinated and every day I'm looking at like, okay, where are the places? I only want to have to do that COVID test once and that's coming back since I have to. But like, what are the places I can go where I don't have to have that test to go and I can just show my little card and be good to go. Um, and so yeah, Greece was at the top of the list. So I'm gonna go check that one off the list. Yeah, so I didn't even think about that. So you don't have to take a test if you have a card? No, so there are uh, uh, quite a few actually. Um, I keep an eye on the list, maybe not daily, maybe other day I'll check it to see like 
because they add new countries to the list as they as time goes on. Um, and there are quite a few of countries that if you have your vaccine card, they you know you're good to go. Like you don't have to test again. You don't have to quarantine. I have a buddy that just went over to Hawaii and he had a, even though he was vaccinated, he still had to take a test yeah, to, to go to yeah. Hawaii. And that's still in the U.S. Yeah, you know? I know Hawaii has been super strict like the whole time. Like, Yeah, I guess. I mean, they're on a small island. They got to watch out for yeah, themselves. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it absolutely makes sense. But I'm trying to like avoid that test. I haven't had the test like the, I don't know if it's the PCR one, but the one, the, na- the nasal one. And I hear it hurts like hell. So I'm not looking forward to that. But, uh, you know, if I have to do it once, I'll do it once. But, you know, grace is, is pretty open. So. 